Judges chapter 1, verse 1. And it came to pass after the death of Joshua that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? They don't have a judge this time, so they don't really have a leader. All they have is the high priest, Eleazar. But he has the ephod, so they can still ask God questions, and then the ephod will light up yes or no. It'll be if the ermine on the right side lights up, it's yes, and if the thumen on the left side lights up, the answer is no. And if they're asking what tribe should fight, then that tribe's stone on the front of the ephod will light up. When they said, who shall go up for us first against the Canaanites, they were asking what tribe should go fight. Which one do you want to fight, and which one will win? Two, and the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. Typically, whenever God tells a tribe to fight, it means because he's appointed that tribe to win. So Judah's stone lit up on the ephod, and they all knew that it was Judah that would fight and win that battle. Later on in the Bible, there is one time where God tells them to go fight, and God knows that they're going to lose, and they lose. But he does this specifically to make a point with them, to reveal to them their sin. But usually, when he sends them to fight, it's because they're going to win. 3. And Judah said unto Simeon his brother. Now these aren't two men talking, these are two tribes talking. The leaders of Judah spoke with the leaders of Simeon. And Judah said, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. What the tribe of Judah said to the tribe of Simeon is, Whenever my stone lights up, go fight with me, so that there will be two tribes fighting. And whenever your stone lights up, we'll go fight with you guys, so that every time we fight, we never fight alone and there's always two tribes. Now God didn't have a problem with this. This was a righteous agreement. God never came against this. 4. And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they smote of them in Bezek ten thousand men. That's the town of Bezek. And they killed ten thousand pagans. 2. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against him, and they smote the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adonai means Lord, so his name was Lord Bezek. He was the leader of the town. 6. But Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him, and caught him, and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. The whole point of cutting off thumbs and toes is to make him handicapped for life, which would be symbolic to anyone who called him Lord, that they're Lord to a handicapped prince. They're not going to go very far. He would lose his power over other men. Because if you don't have your thumbs, that means that they can't use the bow and arrow, and they can't use the javelin and all kinds of problems. He can't be a warrior anymore. And if you're missing your great toes, you would even have trouble walking. So it might have made him a cripple or a partial cripple, in addition to not being able to fight anymore. It took all his fighting power away. 7. And Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered food under my table, as I have done. So God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. Adonai Bezek had humiliated other kings by cutting off their thumbs and toes and making them fight for food under his table. Because he did that to other kings, he felt that God had judged him for having it done to him. However, the Israelites had violated God's commandment to kill all of the pagan kings. Instead, what they've done is they've cut off his thumbs and his toes, which is the same thing the pagans would have done. They're actually adopting the pagans' practice. This is going to result in problems later for the Israelites. 
8. And the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem, and took it, and smote it with the edge of the sword, and set the city on fire. God has already given them Jerusalem, but they still had to take it over. So at this point in history, this is dozens of years before King David, they had Jerusalem way back then. Now you know how the Muslims claim that Jerusalem is their town? Well, Jerusalem isn't mentioned once in the Quran. There's no mention of it anywhere. But the Bible mentions Jerusalem 766 times, and it documents very well when the Israelites took Jerusalem, which is approximately 1200 BC. 9. And afterward the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites that dwelt in the hill country, and in the south and in the lowland. 10. And Judah went against the Canaanites that dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron before time was Kirjath Arba, and that was the town where the giant named Arba lived. That was the town that Caleb took control of, and he killed the three giants, and they smote Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the three giants that he killed. 11. And from thence he went against the inhabitants of Deber. Now the name of Deber before time was Kirjath Sefer, and Kirjath means city, so it's Sefer city, but now it's going to be called Deber. Some of these pagan names are getting changed to be Hebrew-styled names. This is why the city names are changing, because the Israelites took these places over. And that's more historical evidence that the land of Israel belongs to the Israelites. 12. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath Sefer, and taketh it, to him will I give Akshah, my daughter, to wife. We had already read about this a few chapters ago in Joshua, but they want to summarize the previous history and the history and Judges all together. 13. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it. And he gave him Akshah, his daughter, to wife. That's how Caleb's daughter became married to Caleb's nephew. 14. And it came to pass, when she came unto him, that she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she alighted from off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wouldst thou? She rode her donkey out to her father, and she got off the donkey, and he said, What do you want? Because he knew she wouldn't have ridden out to him unless she wanted something. And so she said, Now that I'm getting married, I want you to give me a land that has springs of water. He gave her a really good land. 15. And she said unto him, Give me a blessing for that thou hast set me in the south land. Give me therefore springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. It must be that the south land didn't have as much river access. So that's probably why she was asking for land with springs. He gave her the northern and the southern springs. 16. And the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up out of the city of palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which is in the south of Arad, and they went and dwelt with the people. The descendants of Moses' father-in-law are joining the Israelites again. Moses' father-in-law had joined the Israelites a couple of times throughout Moses' life, and now the next generation is visiting the Israelites again because they know how blessed the Israelites are. Every now and then, when they want to partake in the blessing, they go and join the tribes. The city of palm trees is another name for Jericho because it was a really lush city. 17. And Judah went with Simeon his brother, and they smote the Canaanites that inhabited Zephath. That means the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Simeon are continuing to fight together. Simeon's territory is inside of Judah's territory, so it makes perfect sense that they would always fight together. That's why they have such a strong alliance, working together to take over the whole area of Judah, which includes Simeon's territory. 
and they destroyed Zephath, and the name of the city was called Horma. So they renamed it Horma. Zephath was the pagan name. 18. Also Judah took Gaza with the border thereof, and Ashkelon with the border thereof, and Ekron with the border thereof. He not only took the towns, but he took all of their border area. 19. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the hill country, for he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. Again, this is a lack of faith for them to lose wars, because if Joshua was there, they wouldn't be losing. But they don't have a leader at this point. All they have is the high priest and the ephod, which is great. But none of them have the same faith that Joshua and Moses had. And so they're not winning every battle. That tells us about our Christian life. We need to have high faith if we're going to win every battle. The battles that we lose are the battles where our faith is low. They're afraid of the chariots of iron, but instead of believing the Lord to conquer them anyway, they know that those chariots can go really fast in the flat land and in the low land, and so they're just afraid, and they don't win. 20. And they gave Hebron unto Caleb, as Moses had spoken, and he drove out thence the three sons of Anak. Those are the three giants that were on the mountain of Hebron that we talked about. 21. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwelt with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. The tribe of Benjamin kind of felled there. Within their territory is Jerusalem, but they never drove the Jebusites out. And that's why all throughout the Bible, the Jebusites, which are Canaanites, are still living in Jerusalem. 22. In the house of Joseph, they also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. The house of Joseph would be Manasseh and Ephraim, those two tribes. They took Bethel. 23. And the house of Joseph sent to spy out Bethel. Now the name of the city before time was Luz. The pagans named it Luz in the very ancient days, and then the Israelites renamed it Bethel. Now the person who actually first changed the name to Bethel was Jacob who was Israel when he was young. He came there, and that was where he had the dream of the angels going up and down the ladder that led to heaven, and that's where he fought with the Lord. And so he put up an altar there and called that place Bethel. 24. And the watchers saw a man come forth out of the city, and they said unto him, Show us, we pray thee, the entrance into the city, and we will deal kindly with thee. The watchers are the people from Ephraim and Manasseh's tribes who are staking out the city to see how they can penetrate into it. So a man came out and they said, hey, if you tell us how to get into the city, because the entrances were sealed and hidden in order to protect the city. And he said, if you'll show us where the secret entrance is, then we won't kill you when we take the city over. 25. And he showed them the entrance into the city, and they smote the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man go and all his family. Now even in medieval times, much later, they were still hiding entrances to cities. That man lived because he helped the Israelites. 26. And the man went into the land of the Hittites, and built a city, and called the name thereof Luz, which is the name thereof unto this day. That man who survived in Bethel because he helped the Israelites find the entrance, he moved to a different land where there were pagans, the Hittite pagans, and he built another city and named that one Luz after the old Luz, which is now called Bethel. 27. And Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Sheen and its towns, nor of Tanakh and its towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and its towns, nor the inhabitants of Ibleam and its towns nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and its towns, but the Canaanites were resolved to dwell in that land. 
The tribe of Manasseh failed to take over those five cities in its own land. 28. And it came to pass when Israel was waxen strong, that means when they grew strong, that they put the Canaanites to task work, but did in no wise drive them out. They made the Canaanites their servants or their slaves, but they still let them live, which is sad because the Canaanites would definitely teach them witchcraft and idol worship. 29. And Ephraim drove not out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. There's another city. We've come across at least seven cities so far where they didn't get rid of the Canaanites. 30. And Zebulun drove not out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nahalal. But the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributary. Being tributary means that they would kind of pay taxes to the Israelites. But that isn't what God wanted. God wanted them driven out. There's about nine cities now that they haven't conquered. This chapter is a testament to all of the lack of faith that the Israelites had and how they didn't obey the command of the Lord and they didn't trust him to take them all the way to conquering the land. And this is going to come back to hurt them later when they fall into sin. 31. Asher drove not out the inhabitants of Akko, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, nor of Alab, nor of Akzib, nor of Helba, nor of Aphek, nor of Rehob. 16 cities so far that they haven't driven out. 32. But the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. 33. Nephtali drove not out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh nor the inhabitants of Beth and Ath, but he dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and of Beth and Ath became tributary unto them. There's more Canaanites that are paying taxes to the Israelites. 34. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the hill country, for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley. Dan had to stay up in the hills. 35. But the Amorites were resolved to dwell in Harharez, in Ijalon, and in Shalbim. Yet the land of the house of Joseph prevailed so that they became tributary. More money, they have to pay the Israelites to live there. It's not what God wanted, but the Israelites are benefiting from it. 36. And the border of the Amorites was from the ascent of Akrabim, from Sela and upward. And that concludes Judges chapter 1.